Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary, and became man, for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
run into a waving hand around one of our people help you up. And they're good to have you today. And uh, we're always excited to come to church. Amen? Amen. How many of y'all are glad when they said to you, come to the house door? Amen. 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 I hope you are always glad to come to church. We're glad to see you. All right? Well, we're going to take up John Conference. So if you have something, I'm going to pray over it. You can bring it down. Lord, we thank you. An opportunity to continue our worship today and our giving, Lord. For those that are in financial struggle, we pray, pray for them, Lord, that your blessings will be upon them, Lord, that you will always see them through. You are a provider. We believe in that. And we stand in that. And our giving today is just an emphasis on you, our God, and our response to the provision and increase in our lives. So as we give today, we live that walk of faith with you in that. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Amen. Amen. If you have some giving, bring it down this morning. Um, a couple of announcements. Don't forget, every Monday night from 6 to 7, right here at the church, we have church-wide prayer. If we're a praying church, you can come be a part of that. Uh, don't forget uh, the funeral uh, home next door. Just want me to let you know every Thursday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. We have a coffee club happening. If you want to go check that out, you may do so. Um, uh, on October 31st, last Sunday of this month, two weeks from today, uh, if you are interested, we're having a baby and child dedication during the service. If you have little ones that will be dedicated to the Lord, if you want to do that, sign up at the back table, and uh, we'll make that happen on that day. I'll, I'll talk to you about it. Uh, we need to get to that day. Go ahead and sign up back there. If you have questions about it, see me about it. And uh, uh, we're going to get down with the, uh, the kids today, but on November 13th at 10 a.m., uh, the ladies are getting together to... Uh, uh, prepare some uh, cards for some local nursing homes. You want to be a part of that? Maybe does a great job with our nursing home outreach. As a matter of fact, they were out yesterday uh, and had a great time visiting and praying with people. So if you want to be a part of that, there's a sign sheet back in that way they know how many people uh, to expect that day. So it's, it's a ladies get together November 13th, 10 a.m., and they're going to do something for the nursing home outreach. Other than that, that's all I got. Let's get our Bibles out today. We're going to get all of things. Now, um, we, we do, just to say for a, a, a prayer, we do have some of our little ones are sick. I heard some different families, some little guys are sick, so pray for them. My wife is not here because my daughter came home for a call break, and last night she just started eating her lunch. So anyways, so Margaret stayed home with her this morning to try to help her get ready. She's got to get back to school this afternoon, so that's why Margaret's not here today. So pray for her also, and Hope you feel better. She can drive four hours back to school this afternoon after throwing up all last night. Anyway, so, yeah, amen. Great reverse. All right, we've been talking about the church last week, today, and probably next Sunday. Uh, if you want to go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 16, verse number 18, talking about the church. By the way, we had a good time at Fall Fest last week, didn't we? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, good. Very good food. Good fellowship. Pretty good volleyball, right? So, you know, it's a good time. All right, Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. Jesus talking, he says, I tell you, you're Peter talking to Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, right before the, Peter had 
the great revelation and, and the great proclamation that Jesus is the Son of God. It's revelation that, that he didn't come up with in his own mind, but the revelation of the work of the Holy Spirit revealed to him. That Jesus came in flesh, he is the Son of God, and he is who the scriptures testify that he is. And at this point, Jesus is saying in, in a way that there is going to be a church that is built based on the revelation of who I am. And watch what he says here. We were talking about this a little bit last week. Let me emphasize this again today. And the gates of hell shall not or will not prevail against it. Amen. So Jesus is building his church. How many of you are the church when you see? You're the church? Are you, are you saved? Yeah, you're the church. Who's the head of the church? Jesus. And Jesus is building the church. So you personally are the church. When we gather together, like this this morning, we are what? The church. The worldwide body of believers is what? The church. There's a lot of different ways you look at it, but we are the body of Christ. And Jesus is building us. Now, now we're saved, but you're not all done in his work yet. So you're being saved. We keep working on you. keep building us. And if we stay faithful in following Jesus, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now, you need to believe that. And you need to believe if you stay following Jesus, the gates of hell, in other words, the work of the enemy in separating from God will not happen to you. Amen. You will not be in the place of judgment. Amen. And so it is for my body. So, Jesus is building us, and I'm thankful for that, because we can't build ourselves. It is only his work that we can see this done. It is the activity of the Holy Spirit. And no matter what the enemy can throw at you, it will not prevail against you. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. Do you really believe that? Yes. It doesn't matter what's going on in this world, the confusion, all the things, the, the craziness that seems to be happening. Stay faithful. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Will not prevail against the gathering of believers. You know that? Now, let me just say this. We are very, and this is something I've brought up a numerous times before. We obviously, in our country, are extremely fortunate. We can gather together like this as much as we want and have one. Amen. Right? It's not always that way in other places in the world. Amen. There is absolute persecution for believers and the gathering of believers. Right? But you realize that even then, the gospel spreads. Yes. And people gather in his name. Yes. Even when you're not supposed to, even allowed to, the gates of hell are not prevailing against the church. As a matter of fact, whether, and you can study this for history, whether it's widespread persecution, the gospel even spreads all the more. See, that, that's why we're standing here today, because you spread the gospel through the centuries. Those who stay faithful to the gospel of Jesus, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. And we stand that church. We believe that. Now, having said that, you're not meant to do this alone. Can you do it alone? Maybe. But it's not, not the point. We are meant to be a body together. First Corinthians 12, Paul writes about this. A body is something that functions together, works together purposefully in the kingdom. 
That's what we are together. We're body together. And you're not meant to do this alone. See, remember the, the two great uh, commands, Jesus summing up all that, that we have to live in our faith. Is, is we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And then the second is like, what is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because it's not just about the spreading of the gospel. It's about how we are when we're together. We're not meant to do this alone. So just know this. Right relationship with God teaches us how to be in right relationship with other people. The reason that there's so much mess in the world relationally is because God is not our first love and our first teaching point in how we relate with others. So as we were talking about last week in Colossians, Things like kindness and patience and putting on love which brings us together in unity. The only reason we would ever be that way is because God is teaching us and growing us. That we're loving Him with everything in turn. He's not only uh, doing what only He can do, but He's also doing it in such a way that now when we are with others, we are learning how to be together properly, the body together, the church. You're not meant to do this alone. And in coming together, it's not just about what well, I'm here sitting in a seat, that's nice, but you have a reason to be here. The bodies fit together properly. Different functions, different talents, different giftings, and all these different kind of things. So we're called together, but not to be alone because we help one another. There's a, a quote from, from last week. Let me read it again today. A guy named Ross Parsby has a, a church in, in Texas. He's originally, uh, if I, I remember this, it's a, it's a worship that they used to put out a lot of, of, of songs that churches would sing. I forget the name of it. I almost had it right there. Anyway, uh, he was part of that band. But Ross Parsby said, It's incredible to be a part of a church where you know you belong. But yet, you know it's not perfect, but it's your family. Amen. <laughs> so that says a lot right there. First, it's good to be together with other people. Yes. At the same time, we understand that we're not perfect. How many know that? How many know it's really obvious we're not perfect? Okay. But Jesus is building the church. But yet, we understand that we're a family of faith together. Amen. And if we see the church that way, we understand that we're to be in it together, growing together, helping one another. You're not meant to do this alone. So the word together is important. So Acts chapter 2. Let's, let's just kind of get where we want to go today. We're going to, we're going to close today with, with a communion, just so you know, at the end of service. But Acts chapter number 2. So we are in... Acts to the, the Acts of the Apostles and, and the believers, the early church, the record of what God is up to and, and how the, the gospel spread after the ascension of Jesus. So, Acts chapter 2 and verse number 36. And, and here, here is the tail end of, of Peter's first message after Pentecost and infilling the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, yeah, Jesus, we, we know the story. Jesus, uh, in, in conclusion of his earthly ministry, he, he was crucified. Amen. And the power of the Spirit was raised from the dead. Easter Sunday, right? 
then, then in Bali form, he appeared and, and, was, and was with people for a period of time. Then he ascended, right? And he promised to come into the Holy Spirit. And those gathered together in Acts chapter 2 in the beginning. They were gathered together in prayer. And the Holy Spirit fell. And the infilling of the Holy Spirit happened. There are power to be witnesses in the world. Then here comes Peter. Peter comes out with this great first message, right? And he starts to proclaim the gospel. In Acts 2, verse number 36, it says, Well, the house of Israel therefore is known for certain that God has made him, or Jesus, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 1,000, 3,000 souls. Wow. That's pretty amazing. They didn't go to the Holy Spirit, they go out, and, 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 and you know, they were speaking in tongues, they thought they were drunk, but each man were, was hearing them in their own, own language or proclaiming uh, the glories of God. And Peter gets up and preaches the first message of the infilled early church based on Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the centrality of the Christian faith, obviously. And he said, repent. <laughs> and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins is the calling those who are far off, far off to him and now the church has been started and we still live in that age you know that yes. from this moment we just read until now we are in the same church age that started with this first message and the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the church today is, is gathered together, growing together, but the church that continually grows because we are a light of the world and take the gospel to the world. Amen. Now, as I say all that to say this. From this moment, and it says here that there are 3,000 added to their numbers that day, and all these things are happening, the church started to do some things together as a result of this. That's what I want to talk about today. So there's an activity and a function of the church that immediately starts to gel and begin because not only is the gospel being proclaimed, but people are being added to the body of Christ because they're being saved, they're repenting, they're being baptized, forgiving of their sin. Now what? So, so how many of you here today, at some point, you repented of your sin? Let me say, okay, no. <clears throat> but what then? What did that, well, okay, I, I believe in Jesus, and I, I've asked for forgiveness of my sin. I was even water baptized, right? But, but, but now, what am I supposed to do? Well, that's the question the early church started to have. What are we supposed to do with this now? How are we supposed to function? How are we supposed to act together? What, what's the grand purpose of this thing? They started this, this process of figuring this out and working this out and, and, and establishing doctrine and things later we would call theology and all this different kind of stuff. But there's a pattern that we pick up in Acts 
that, that I want to jump into that kind of shows the initial reaction of a church that is growing based on the good news of Jesus and repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So, Acts chapter 2, verse number 42, right where we left off. So, obviously, verse 41. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls, and right away in verse 42, here's what happened. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen. So you have this great message of Pentecost. Thousands of people come and believe they repent of their, of, for their sins and forgiveness of their sins. And right away there's a response. And they start doing things together. So I want to just kind of break that section down we were just talking about just for a minute. And let's talk about those things. What did the early church start to do because of the good news of Jesus being uh, proclaimed and people responding to that message? The first thing it says is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. In other words, now that you are saved, there are some things to learn. The apostles' teaching. So the apostles' teaching would be based upon, obviously, the message of Jesus, but the apostles to be eyewitnesses of him, of his ministry, certainly the crucifixion, then uh, the awareness and, and the witness of his resurrection, all these different things. So the apostles' teaching would build on the message of Jesus and the eyewitness things of what he has done. And they devoted themselves to the teaching of what does this mean now? Now that Jesus was here and he did these things and we saw what he did and we remember now the things that he said, what does it mean now? And certainly for those that are Jewish, now, now they're reflecting back upon the history of Israel and the law and the prophets and what they were saying. Remember the Emmaus road after Jesus rose from the dead? Two guys were walking down the road and then Jesus appears with them, right? And uh, they start talking about what's happening and they're like, who are you that even know the events that happened in, in Jerusalem? And, and Jesus said, okay, yeah, but let me show you something. And he begins with the law of the prophets to, to explain himself to them in light of the scriptures. So the early church began to do this. As a matter of fact, then, the, the witness of the scriptures we have in the New Testament are the continuation of that. So when we say we devote ourselves to the apostle teaching, we are standing in the centrality of Jesus Christ in the Word, and then the written testimony we have in the New Testament about Him. This is what we teach. As Paul proclaims in his writing, we preach Christ crucified. Amen. 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 And if you're teaching a bunch of stuff, that doesn't connect right back to Christ crucified, it shouldn't be in the church because we preach Christ crucified. That's the message of the gospel. 
You can't be saved by any other message. Amen. Amen. There's nothing that can bring you freedom like that. Amen. Amen. It's the only means of your salvation. Amen. It's the only means of finding forgiveness of your sin. Amen. We preach Christ crucified. So devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, we continue that together as we gather together in the church. There's teaching based on the scriptures, the word of God, which teach us and grow us as we're continually walking in the light of learning to live in Jesus' way together. Amen. Amen. That's one reason why we're here. Now, notice it goes on to say that. And the fellowship. Notice the word the in front of it. It wasn't just, well, hang out. Purposeful, the fellowship of believers coming together in unity of relationship. Right? So the whole thing we were saying earlier, learning to love God with everything you have, he will, he will begin to teach you what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? That's important to the fellowship. Now we come together for a reason. And, and it's not just, well, that's nice. We, we build church buildings, we put seats in them, and, and we do our best so every seat has a, a body in it. Well, okay, I'd love to see uh, the place built with body, because that's not the point. The bigger point is the apostles' teachings, and the bigger point is the fellowship. It's not about building chairs, but about our life together and how we interact and help one another. Amen. Right? Amen. So, so it's kind of like uh, the person sitting next to you. It, it could be your spouse, but hopefully you're sitting by somebody that's not in your immediate family, right? So you look around this room and, and this is part of that. This is part of the fellowship. Amen. So church is not just coming together and seeing and seeing just receiving the teaching, which is good. But what are you doing to give in the fellowship? I'm not talking about money necessarily. I'm talking about how are you a part of the body that you benefit the body? What's, what's the part of the body that, that they take it out all the time they have no idea what it's for? Huh? Appendix, yeah, okay. Don't be the appendix. <laughs> serve a purpose and a reason. I want you to be here and go, I have no idea why you're here. You really don't serve any purpose here. We, as a matter of fact, if you got cut out, we're okay with that. You can just possibly be a pain. Alright? That's not what you need to be. That you're here in such a way that you're a part of the fellowship. That you're part of the body in such a way that you're adding something to it, not just here to receive something. There are, there are times and seasons you've got to receive things. I get it. But you're here for a reason, the fellowship. Amen. Amen. Now, now part of that is then uh, what it goes on to say here. Let's see, where would we leave off? And the fellowship. The breaking of bread and the prayers. Notice the word the in front of prayers there. So, the breaking of bread. So you, you can look at church like a table. It, 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 we just removed all the chairs and we had a, a table here. And on the table is the food of fellowship. That we're called together. And by the way, 
literally they were breaking bread together, literally food. Because, you know, there's something about eating food with people. You know what I mean? There's a relational connection. When you share food, there's something happening there, right? So there was a literally breaking of bread together, eating together, right? But beyond that is what is happening in the relations of the people in the fellowship because they're breaking bread together. Amen. Now, it's not just about a fellowship kind of food, but it also brings with it then the Lord's Supper. That we partake together, if you will, in a service today, communion together, because we're proclaiming the death of Christ until he returns again. And it's actually the basis, you know, 1 Corinthians 11, Paul addresses uh, the partaking of communion and, and, and their meals together. The basis of Paul writing that comes from the fellowship gathering and breaking bread together. But then in that, then they're, they're, they're at times taking the Lord's Supper together. But see, the Lord's Supper, the centrality of worship, it, whenever we take communion as a church, it's the highest point of worship that day, right? That is what then sets the tone for the rest of the fellowship. So anytime that we break, like, like last Sunday was Fall Fest, we went to the park, and there was a lot of food there, plus 3,000 bees, right? Yes. Okay. So we were fending off the bees eating our food. It was fun. Right? See, the Lord's Supper sets the tone for that kind of breaking of bread. Because no matter what we do, we do it in the name of Jesus. And everything we do because he is the center of it. Even, even when we went to the park, now we had church before that, but we went to the park and nobody preached the message. We didn't break the Bible out. We ate food and did stuff. That's okay. Right? But we still did it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And we still did it together as a body of believers. Now, we wanted to invite all sorts of people, but if, if you weren't part of this fellowship, you wouldn't have been there probably. The reason you were there because you're part of this fellowship. You do it in the name of Jesus. So if the breaking of bread of communion sets the tone for the breaking of bread of just fellowship. And then, then it says that. So the breaking of bread and the prayers. So the church prays. We come together to pray. Now, at that time, those who were Jews, they, they had what they would consider the, the, the prayers that they did. And those prayers would have continued, but now in the revelation of Jesus, what the light of Jesus meant in that. So, that, so they were probably carrying on the tradition of the prayers that were handed down, but now, now new prayers are being fashioned and formed based on the revelation of Jesus. But they prayed together. There are churches that, that do call and answer. They would call that liturgy. Uh, maybe like that. They, they were memorized prayers, prayers they led together, so forth. But the prayers of the church is formed together because the prayers ultimately are statements of belief and statements of faith. So we pray together because we believe, and we continue this. So the church, devoted to the apostles' teaching, amen. We come together in the fellowship. In the fellowship, we break bread, and we pray. All right, so, so what else did they start to do? Excuse me. Let's read on. In all who believe, 
Oh, I'm sorry, verse 43. I'm going to skip one. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So just, just a quick note on this. We still believe in the miraculous. The age where this started is the age that continues until he comes again. And in such a way that we believe that it could strike awe and wonder of those who experience and see. Amen. So we still pray for the sick, do we not? Do we, still, we still pray for those that have financial need. We would pray for all things. If they come and, and, and are open about their needs, we will pray. Because we still believe in a God who does wonders and signs and miracles. Amen. Now, we were talking about this not long ago. Now, remember, it's not just about for the moment. Everything that happens in this is a sign that the kingdom of God has come. Amen. Amen. And it's a signpost to the kingdom that is coming. Every time we pray, let's, let's say Joseph came down there and he said, he said hey, uh, I'm dealing with this. Can you pray that the Lord would touch my body? Okay. We would pray for Joseph. We would believe. Amen. Amen. But you realize every time we pray a prayer like that, not only we, we uh, uh, invoking the Lord to manifest the kingdom in that way, now we're also prophetically calling forth the kingdom to come because in the kingdom to come, there will be no pain and sickness. Amen. It's a sign of that kingdom. Amen. Amen. So, so if you have financial trouble, you came down and said, all these things are happening, I got laid off, we pray that God would continue to provide for you. Miraculously. It is a sign of the kingdom because the kingdom come, there is no lack. We prophetically proclaim the kingdom to come every time we pray a prayer that would involve a sign and a wonder and a miracle. Amen. Amen. And we still believe. Yeah. Now this next thing is something that, that's actually kind of, kind of uh, incredible. Verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. In the early church, there were segments of believers that, that just joined their possessions together. They started to live in communities. It's amazing. And in such a way that if somebody had need, I'd be willing to sell something of my personal property in order to gain finances to help that person. That's why. Can you, can you imagine that kind of unity together? Now, this kind of communal living kind of waned as time went. But the point being is that we come together in such a way that we would leave no need untouched. That we are still unified in a way that we have all things in common. Amen. The willingness to bear somebody's burden is a hallmark of the Christian faith. You're going to proceed from God who is provider to then how can we be a provider for those in need? So, so if we know somebody had financial need, we would pray. But then what? Could it be possible to help? Yep. We can do that too. Amen. So the finances that come into the church isn't just about having a saving or doing things to a building, but it's sitting there for times of need for those in need. But it's not just the church, but you as individuals too. How many of y'all, okay, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have known of a need and have done something kind of privately about it? Okay? Those things happen. And that's part of the church. We, we just don't pray 
Amen? But then action with our prayer, because sometimes we are to be the answer to our prayers. That's right. Right? That's right. Now, you know, when you pray, and then the Holy Spirit's like, hey, why do you even pray? Just go do something. You know what I'm saying? That, 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 that's going to be the action of the church. You should always pray, but man, sometimes you just got to just go do, because you can't. And you've been empowered by the Spirit. Amen? So all things in common, they were very focused on the needs of the fellowship. And day by day, attending a temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with gladness and generous hearts. So uh, I think on the east side of the outer course of the temple, there was something called Solomon's Colonnade, where groups would gather together and, and, and discuss and teach in these different things. Uh, they carried that tradition on. So the believers started to gather together at the temple, and now they're talking about Jesus and the things that Jesus uh, taught and, the, and, and recounting the things that he did. And notice they were doing it day by day. We have church Sundays and Wednesdays. These people were getting together all the time because of their zeal for, for learning and growing and zeal for fellowship. See, one of the things that will happen is now, now okay, let me just preface what I'm about to say. I don't believe that God's in heaven with his attendance book no. on the church attendance. No. Okay? I hear people say that. I don't believe that. It's like, oh, oh, you know what? Margaret's not a church today. Well, that's a big red X. <laughs> she barely hanging on to her salvation this morning. <laughs> Alright? God's not doing that, right? Okay, so it's not, not the attendance view happening. But again, we're together for a reason. And one of the things that the enemy will try to do will cause you to stop the fellowship of believers in attending church. Amen. As a matter of fact, uh, when you talk about spiritual discipline, prayer and worship and fasting and those things, you have to add church attendance to spiritual discipline because it's not just a given anymore in our culture. Right? So the enemy wants to divide Right? Yes. And pull you away, right? And and I could I could give you a thousand reasons I've seen it happen. Busyness, to offense, to, to you name it, right? We all have a reason. That we are disciplined to come together when church gathers. Amen. We gather on Sunday because it is it is the day of, of the mark of the resurrection of Jesus. So the, when we come together on Sunday, we're basically saying we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, even though it's not Easter every Sunday, it is. That's why we're together on Sunday. But we come together, don't allow the enemy to split you from the group. You ever watch those nature shows? Lions and, and cheetahs and stuff. What do they try to do? You got the herd, and they're just trying to separate one from the herd. And they go after the weakest and the littlest one along, right? Now, I love watching their shirt. Marvel's just like, ah, why are you watching this? But they want to separate. And once you're separated, you're weakened. Together, they're strength. By yourself, you're weakened, right? And the enemy wants to separate you. They were gathering together consistently almost daily in the temple courts to be together, to learn together, to sing hymns together, and all these different things. And it also says, beyond the gathering here, they were meeting in their own homes. 
that the Christian community spread beyond just this. To gathering homes and breaking bread together in homes. There's a fellowship that goes beyond the physical structure of the church. Then they were meeting uh, in, in the outside of, of the outer course of the temple. Now, now it's, it, it's in buildings like this. Now, you know, things uh, change over time and cultures do it different ways. It's still uh, in the foundation, the same thing, right? But it's not just about this. It spreads out into the community, too. Meeting at home, breaking bread together. Again, even in those times, the, the breaking of, of communion is setting the tone there, too. Amen. All right, let's read this last part here. Oh, by the way, let me just highlight verse 46 at the end. It says, with glad, with glad and generous hearts, glad and generous hearts, they're meeting in temple court. They're, they're gathered together in their homes with glad and generous hearts. And watch what happens. And praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So what is happening in church never becomes a closed community. Amen. Never becomes a closed Doors of this church are never locked. Somebody do, or somebody is not saved, or somebody who's living like they're not saved. That door's not locked to them. We welcome them to the table of fellowship so they can meet Jesus. Amen. And Jesus can do only what Jesus can do. Amen. That's who he is. And we believe. Amen. Amen. And that we would live in a church as a global church. But as, as this local gathering, but also as individuals, that we would live in such a way that the church is being added to day by day those who are being saved. Now, here's what happens. Let me just say this real quick. So, sometimes when people start to talk about last day stuff, and then Revelation has this thing about this great falling away, right? Don't let that stop you from witnessing. Well, a bunch of people are going to fall away anyway. <laughs> the, the Bible never stops telling you that the church should be added to day by day. Those who are being saved. And we're being light to the world no matter what. And if those things happen, however it happens, it'll happen. But that doesn't mean the church stops its witness. Because right at the very last day that we're still here, we are to be witnesses and light to the world for the gospel. Because you just never know. So, as a local church, this is something we talked about a year ago. I desire to see a church that will ever be ready to build onto the table and put more seats at the table. That we never say, well, this is enough. This is fine. But because of our love and because of our witness, the table of fellowship is a table that we're ready to go out to. And how we scramble some seats together, if we have to give up our own seats for people to sit out, and we'll be willing to give up our seats for people to sit out. Yes. Amen. Amen. That we're a church that we're devoted to the apostles' teaching, we want to learn together. And we learn how to fellowship with each other, even though we're not a bunch of perfect people. 
And in our imperfection, growing and learning in Jesus' way together, we're breaking bread together, we're taking communion together, we're, we're praying together. Amen. We're gathering together with consistency, with glad and generous hearts. Adding to our numbers daily, don't be in faith with our witness. So, that sounds like a lot. And there was some tradition being carried on from, from Judaism in that. But just understand, the early church, the response to the message of the gospel, and people being saved, the response was this. Right away, this is what they did. Immediately. Gathering, teaching, fellowshipping, praying, all these different things. You know what's crazy is? We are 2,000 years from this. And although the mode changes and, and, and our MO uh, is a little bit different, we still do and build on the exact same things. The word, fellowship, prayer, communion, together. And you know what? We won't stop until we come together. So you are part of the body. We're together. We believe. Amen? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're in this together. Tell them we're in this together. Tell, tell them if you want to say, I love you. Tell them that. What I can feel is the truth. All right? I love you. We're going to help each other bear one another's burden. All right? Uh, we're we're going to uh, close out with the communion space where the ushers can come on forward and bring the table down.
And what it fulfilled means everything to us. To end this, we had the forgiveness of our sin, the final act that brings forgiveness. So we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your sacrifice. For the forgiveness and freedom from sin in it in which we stand. We partake in a cup today in remembrance of the shedding of your blood. Partake. Thank him for what that means to you. Thank him for the new life that he's given to you through forgiveness and salvation. Thank him for doing for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Thank him for the numerous times you've come to him and asked him for forgiveness and you can do so because of what he did. Just thank him. Praise Jesus. We worship you. Our life is mirrored with a, a Thanksgiving offering <clears throat> for your work on the cross and then the, the resurrection which follow, of which we are awaiting of ourselves. We worship you today. We praise you today. We thank you today. And once again, right now, we commit ourselves to living for you because of what you have done. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Church, be here. Good to have you today. If you have any questions, be prayer, come see me. Let's